1: Hello all you cool cats and kittens, and welcome to After Work Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture, and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill.
3: I'm literally doubled over. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a pleasant surprise. How are you? Carol, I'm I'm good. I'm, we were just talking before we started about how we're both a horrible hermits, and actually... Really thriving in the isolation tank.
1: I love isolation.
3: It's so good for my self. Like it really suits my personality to just never go outside again.
1: And I also, I was saying to Grace, I can just fill the day doing literally nothing and not be bored at all. And I will wake up at eight in the morning go
3: for a big walk and then I come home and look at the time and I'm like, what? look at that, it's 7 p.m., time to go to bed. And here is Izzy, it's so nice now because they've got daylight savings in so it's still sunny at, like, quarter to 8 p.m. So you just look yeah, down all so of a nice. sudden and it's 7 p.m. and I'm like, oh, it's another day of not doing very much. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Nothing I know. know, and I've been finally getting back into working out for the first time in four months and – Just being able to do – so I did that Pilates workout that we – that Laura from Wild Pilates made for our Instagram yesterday. And it hurts. hurt my butt.
3: Yeah, it's intense. Me and so me and Zach have been doing yoga every day, which is horrible. Couples yoga. Very jade. And um, some of the ones are just crazy. Like sometimes we're just – Mona Godfrey, who I just keep talking about, is my yogi guru. Um, and she would just make us do a little maneuver, and we're just screaming at her through the screen. Because it's really hard. It's insane. Mm, I find yoga,
1: I can't get into yoga that much. I used to do it so often, but I would do hot yoga, which I think I like more, but just my brain won't slow down enough for it. But I've been doing bar ah. classes, and it's funny because um, I got into bar classes for literally the opposite of... Gia Tolentino's plan so basically in Trick Mirror, she writes about how Bar is this crazy cult made by this crazy woman um and made with the these crazy ideals about getting a woman like the perfect body but in two of her different essays she mentions Bar as being the devil I'm like god I need to try this
3: (laughs) (laughs) I know I was like this sounds great this is the best-selling um (laughs) marketing campaign for bar i've heard ever
1: yeah because she was talking about how she was like like no other crazy fitness thing has taken off as much as bar has so you have little reformer pilates studios and boutique different things for pilates and yoga but bar has become this huge big worldwide
3: cult and i was like oh my god it must be bloody good then (laughs) i'm gonna do that people just get this is what i keep hoping will happen and it's just as of yet never happened but people keep saying to me you'll find your thing and you'll just love doing it but i think it's a lie i think some people find their thing and love doing it but i think the vast majority of people slog through exercise because it makes them feel good afterwards and don't enjoy a minute of it and it never becomes anything uh more than a chore but they just do well, it anyway.
1: Yeah, I feel a bit of both. Like I hate running. And people say that to me as well. They say once you get, you'll, you get a runner's high and once you find your groove and once you can run without be feeling puffed when you actually get into a rhythm, you'll like it. And that's just a complete lie for me. I will literally be running down the road, not puffed not sweaty listening to a good song and I'm just completely and then I'll go to myself okay look you've got this you're just running you're fine you're not puffed nothing's happening and then I'll literally just stop and I'll just stop dead in the road
0: and I'm yeah, like what the fuck? how did you
1: just stop I know but it's not <laughs> I hate yeah, it. it it's no fun so but I do love I do love reformer pilates and um I actually really like hit classes because they just distract me, I think. I mm-hmm. don't even really notice that I'm doing them. And then I, I so the other day, my friend and I, um, as you guys probably would have seen, we've got uh, Friends of the Podcast taking over for the next 30 days of isolation.
3: And we've got some goodies in there. It's so cute. It's like the love calendar for the pandemic. So each day
2: you get a little treat.
1: And I love how, so we've mixed it up. We have, so the day this comes out, actually, we have Jasmine Dowling taking over, which I'm really excited about. And then we have Kirsty Godzo, who's taking over from New York, and she's probably going to kill us with all her hot sauce burpees. And we have a breathwork and meditation class coming to Instagram TV and beauty tutorials from magazine beauty editors and cooking classes and more workouts. And we have someone doing tips for um, occupying toddlers in isolation. We've got it all. We've
3: literally got everything and... You just got to tune in. We did ourselves as the first two, and um, our friend Jake messaged me because I was the first one, and he was like obsessed with you doing a takeover on your own podcast, like a <laughs> bit narcissistic. And I was like, God, it is, isn't it? Now that I think about it, for one second.
1: And I also love how um, it, pretty much everyone who's doing a takeover sort of has a thing they're good at. So we have uh, professional kind of chefs doing recipes and we have personal trainers doing workouts and we have um a breath work and meditation class and then for our one i was like we literally have no skills so we're just doing a normal takeover and then literally everyone else i'm like you have to do an instagram tv with a
3: cool skill i know (laughs) where ours was like i ate this (laughs) i (laughs) walked here
1: yeah so yeah that, that's really cool and that's happening over on our instagram now which is fun and you guys should really take advantage of the instagram tvs because we have so many cool workouts and recipes and just activities coming on there but what i was gonna say is my friend who's gonna do a workout for us for instagram tv i did one of hers the other day outside in the sun and to keep myself motivated i facetimed skyped my friend and then we did the workout together from our homes
3: that's really cute and wholesome yeah
1: so then so I had like this the timer set up and I was showing her what exercises to do and I was watching it from my phone so then I would be like okay now we're doing side planks and then my friend would side plank in the FaceTime we should do one
3: that's cute we're just on such different timelines now I'm getting FOMO I mean Izzy don't like hearing about each other's friends each other's other friends (laughs) like a jealous boyfriend I'm like oh well I hope you fucking enjoyed it bitch like
1: yeah and we got to the end of the workout and we had one more round to go and she was like I spent the whole last round trying to think of excuses why I can't do this final round and I was like what were your excuses and she goes that I don't want to I
3: I know it is it is actually good to have accountability like having Zach there while I Mm. do it I'm just really determined to not I don't know. I just get weirdly competitive, and then that yeah, keeps I can't me going. do.
1: Um, I think yoga is one of the ones I can't do by myself. The other day, I tried to put one on, and I lasted ten minutes. And it's I was like, so That's boring enough. unless <laughs> someone's just turned there. It, off. it really yeah. is. It really is. What have you been enjoying in isolation this week?
3: So I have two recommendations this week. So I'm reading The Goldfinch at the moment by Donna Tartt, and it's really good. It's very bloody long it's 900 pages
1: yeah I read it years ago and I actually embarrassingly think I didn't finish it
3: yeah it's very it's it's kind of like going on a run I think like when you get into it you get into a flow and I can read like 100 pages in a go and then I just can't deal with it for another few days but anyway Mm -hmm. I get onto that topic because I wanted to listen to an interview with her searched her name in the podcast charts and I discovered the BBC book club which is basically just a podcast with an interview with like every author under the sun and it's really really great and I've listened to about five episodes so far so I listened to Donna Tartt and then Edward St Aubyn, who wrote the Patrick Melrose novels which are some of my favorite books and then Helen Fielding if I'm getting her name right who wrote Bridget Jones and that's my favorite yes. one and she's the best and she said that she wrote Bridget Jones when she was a political writer at the Independent, and she was still single in her thirties. And they wanted her to write a column, but she was too embarrassed to put her name to it. So she came up with this fictional character of Bridget Jones and wrote it under an alias. And no oh my one God. and no one knew it was her doing it for the first year. And it became this like sensation. And all her friends that she'd go out to drinks like Bridget Jones, and all her friends would be like, "Oh my God, have you read the Bridget Jones columns?" And no none of her, none of even her friends knew it was her wild and turned it into a book and she said that when the movie got made her only stipulation was that colin firth had to play mark darcy or she wouldn't do it
1: oh my god she's Even? heaven
3: yeah so that's great there's so everyone's on there marion Keyes is on there colson whitehead i listened to his as well talking about underground railroad um Love. just heaps heaps and heaps so that's, that's so cool it's such a meg wallets are just ev- like every author that we like is on there and they're really cute little 28 minutes and they're all questions from the audience who all read the book and came with questions I want us to go when because you can go to a live recording when you get back um so I loved that and then another thing I've been reading is that Lena Dunham's writing like a serialized novel part by part for Vogue during the isolation I Have saw you seen that. this? yeah
1: yeah um Hannah sent it to me I haven't read it yet is it hilarious
3: it's just very cute it's very Lena Dunham it's like she walked in and like with no pants and a pair of Mary Janes and a sweater top like it's very that girlsy quirky yeah, cute Hannah, from, Hannah girls. from girls vibe um but I don't want to give too much away but it's it's Very cute and fun and easy reading. And she's basing each – she's writing it as she goes and she's basing each chapter of people's feedback on Instagram. So she's, like, asking questions about what she wants, the audience wants to see or what they want to see the characters do and then kind of writing to that. So it's, like, a very modern version of, like, an old Charles Dickens book or something. It's really cool. You should pop it in our Facebook group, which is also
1: another plug for us going off because I ask people book recommendations. Such a good
3: place if you need – to know what to read it's, everyone's a bloody yeah. avid reader in that group what to read or what to watch i
1: have been a little more lowbrow than you i watched all of euphoria and fucking loved it i feel like that's more highbrow i feel
3: like that's like the show yeah
1: well yeah it kind of is it's so i think we already mentioned this but i watched the first episode when i was living in the u.s um and i thought it was so intense i was like this is just
3: Wild. It's basically Skins again. I've been watching Skins again, but I I watched season which a random, B, <laughs> yes. more random went in on season five, which is like the worst third generation cast that no one watched and no one cares That's about. That's right. Um, I don't know. I just needed something brainless. I still loved it. It's just got this little. I think it, it's on Netflix at the moment. I. Eh? It's yeah. It was it like appeared yeah. on Netflix and. That show just encapsulated my entire teenage years. Like all I, I know, I want to rewatch really be it because like I can't.
1: I can't really remember it. All I remember is being obsessed with Effie.
3: Yeah, obsessed with Effie. I was obsessed with Cassie. So yeah,
1: I have been watching Euphoria. I watched the whole thing. It's just brilliant. You will absolutely love it. Um,
3: I don't really have much to say other than everyone should watch it. Zendaya as a queen. Zendaya's amazing. I didn't realize how cool yes. she was until recently, which is very kind of boomer of me. I knew she looked <laughs> yes. incredible. I'd never watched an interview with her, and I watched oh, her 73 yeah. questions and went down this absolute wormhole. And she is just the she's coolest the human. Coolest. <laughs> yeah. I love her.
1: I'm always on, I just love so much how little she gives a fuck. Like, she never wears makeup, she never does her hair, she's always in just an oversized hoodie. She's so great um but I hate now that she goes out with that Jacob Elordi guy in real life because he's such a loser on the show and then actually a little tidbit (laughs) from an after work drinks uh fan who messaged us on Instagram said that he because he's from Australia and he went to school with her little brother and her little brother said he always thought he was far too cool
3: (laughs) oh interesting and little nugget now of he goes information. out with Zendaya, so he obviously was he was correct the whole time It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: annoying I would hate for the like kid in high school to now be going out with zendaya
3: yeah like beyond anything ever I actually so I interviewed annoying. zendaya's stylist recently for a story um and he also does Celine Dion. Or used to do her when she had her big fashion renaissance. But he was saying that he was like, she doesn't really have a style. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, we literally just every time there's a red carpet, just sit and laugh and have the best time and just pull whatever we just think will look cool and fun and just embody a character for the night. She doesn't care about clothes. She just wears whatever she thinks looks awesome.
1: Yeah, I think that's so true because she literally is always in just baggy, whatever stuff. Yeah. Which is what I love about her. She's not trying to be super, like, sorry, Blake Lively. (laughs) But she's not trying to be, like, fucking Blake Lively and pretend she's really stylish when she actually looks insane
3: all the time. (laughs) I remember I used to be, like... Blake Lively has a great style and you were like, God, you were like, she doesn't. And then it was like, these (laughs) flickers came off my eyes. And the next thing I saw of her, she was in a velour tracksuit at a Stuart Whiteson party. She
1: just looks insane.
3: She looked crazy. And I was like, how have I spent this whole time thinking? I've just been tricked.
1: I have this picture in my brain of her. I think she was going to Martha Stewart's house or something. And she was in this horrific floral skirt and these ugly knee-high boots. And I was like, I can't with you. Stop. Just because you have a fucking pretty face. It's not okay. Get a stylist. Everyone, it's literally the, she is the definition of just a really ridiculously beautiful person. And everyone going, you're doing amazing because she's so pretty. Yeah. Like, yeah, that looks
3: great, and it's like, no, it doesn't. Someone tell her. We've all been tricked, including <laughs> yes. her. It's it's crazy. Yes. But the, the thing I'm very obsessed with about Blake Lively that I always think about is that when she got married to Ryan Reynolds, she. Featured her wedding in Martha Stewart Weddings, but only the grazing table. <laughs> so Blake Lively's wedding, hell? when you Google it, it's like 20 pictures of like the cupcakes and the cheese platter and like the main course and nothing else from the whole day. And I just think that's a huge mood.
1: Yeah. there's not, yeah, there's not one photo. I didn't even know she wore, there's a few things. She wore Marquesa, which is kind of random. Questionable and then, in oh. retrospect. <laughs> yeah. Just random. And and then she, um, they had it on a plantain. They had it like on a slave plantain. It's like been banned. Their wedding or like any images of plantain weddings have been banned from Pinterest because obviously it's fucking weird to have a wedding. That's on a...
3: strange.
1: Yeah, it's so <laughs> strange. I think they did it because um they're obsessed with the notebook and I think the notebook was based in the South, but it's still like just. That's a period drama, guys.
3: <laughs> yeah. That's set before people knew.
1: Yeah, and even Hayley Baldwin and Justin Bieber had a notebook-themed wedding, but they just did had it in a church.
3: Possible. God, this is a little wormhole we've gone down that I didn't
1: expect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I have another kind of recommendation turned anti-recommendation. So over the past week of everyone being in isolation, everyone was telling me to go on the House Party app. So I downloaded it and then basically... It's just an app where you can – it's kind of like a Zoom conference call but more fun because you can play games. And so I was doing that with friends, and then one of my other friends posted on her Instagram story being like, has anyone else been – had their accounts hacked since they joined House Party? My Spotify was hacked, and my Gmail account was hacked, and it's literally just been since I downloaded this app. And then she has a bunch of followers, and so many people replied to her saying – my account was hacked as well. Oh my God, my account was hacked as well. My friend's brother had $2,000 stolen from his account. Then another person messaged saying that most of their friends had money stolen. And then I sent her story to a couple of people who I'd been on house party with. And one of our friends, Georgie, was like, oh my God, my Spotify was hacked as well. Then I posted on Afterwork Drinks last night being like PSA, Make sure that your house party password is different to any other password for anything or de- delete the app because people are getting hacked. And all these people replied saying, no, it's a smear campaign to like buy a house party competitor and no one's accounts are actually getting hacked. It's all a lie. And house parties released this statement going, um, if anyone can prove they've been hacked, we have a $1 million reward.
3: What is going on, Izzy? I just cannot deal with this story as you're telling it to me. My jaw's on the floor.
1: Yeah, so they're saying that it's fake and it's a smear campaign and then BBC's doing an investigation being like it doesn't look like this app would hack your account and steal your stuff because it's quite reputable and it's owned by a massive like app platform kind of thing. But then BBC was like, "But in saying that, we've contacted so many people who have no reason to lie, who have said their accounts have been hacked and I have two friends who's downloading house party
3: million dollars then house party yeah what is with that i I was like i was like that announcement is sus like that makes it more suspicious than if you just said we're investigating it fuck
1: would offer one million (laughs) dollar reward and say it's a smear campaign by a competitor trying to take you down like, it's so odd. That makes and, and- me
3: more scared. Who owns House Party? Okay, I have something to add to this, which is that I did a House Party conference call this week. And now every time I log in to do some internet shopping, it defaults to saying I'm in India. Yeah.
1: Grace to the before goes, do you have house party? Let's do do the podcast over house party. I was like, for crying out loud, Grace, how have you missed
3: this? I was like, what are you talking about? I found it really useful.
1: Even last night when I posted it on Afterwork Drinks, people were replying, being like, no, no, it's been all over the news. House party's saying it's not true. And I was like, they're fucking liars, because I know two people whose accounts have been hacked since downloading the app. It's not a fucking coincidence that everyone in the world is having everything hacked the minute they download house party i'm frightened but i just find it weird how they security software people are saying they can't see how it's it is hacking people but then i literally have friends who have been hacked since downloading it so i don't know i would just be safe and if you're gonna keep using it change your password which you which to do it's so annoying you have to log out and click forgot password and then reset it you can't just change
3: it okay big psa God, I'm feeling stressed about that. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I know. My brow is very knitted right now. One million dollar reward. This isn't the mafia. And I'm going to hack your account so you can prove that um, you've been hacked and then we can split the reward money.
1: I know. I was actually proud of myself because I always use like a random password for all of those random kind of apps. So it was never going to be the same as anything that they could hack. But then again I got hacked My Deliveroo got hacked um, (laughs) Like two weeks ago And these people in Milan were ordering all these chicken burgers To their house And I was like stop And I was contacting Deliveroo And I was so desperate for them to not get the chicken burgers Because it was just going to ruin my night If they actually got away with it And so I I was like calling Deliveroo On 15 different cell phones And one of them was like The order is out for
3: delivery I was like stop Stop that man on the mobile yeah. immediately. They spent, these they are spent illegal a, burgers.
1: They spent 100 euros on two different orders. So like 200 euros all up on all these chicken burgers and stuff. On my card.
3: <laughs> Sorry, that isn't funny. That's just
1: It was so crazy. funny. I was like, what the fuck is happening? It was just goes, and a, an address has been added to your account. And it turns out that Canva, you know, that photo yeah. um thing, Canva had been hacked last year. And that's where they stole my details from. Right. So it actually is much safer. Sorry that I'm just this boring tech nerd tonight. It's much safer to not have your card details on delivery and just to do the Apple Pay thing.
3: Yeah, I do the Apple and Pay. And you double tap. Yeah. Giving that a good fucking thrashing in the last two weeks. Jesus Christ. Since I taught you how to use it. Yeah. No, the, the delivery <laughs> app. Oh, well, they
1: don't have it in New Zealand. That's upsetting. They have no Uber Eats. They've shut everything. So you literally cannot order takeaways now. You can get a lot here still. Yeah, there's nothing. So people who can't cook, aka me, are dying. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Send help. I'm like toast again, I guess. <laughs> um, let's get on to the main topic. Well, this mm-hmm, isn't the main topic, mm-hmm. but the, the main topic, which <laughs> yes. is Tiger King, which we both watched. There's so much to say. So everyone would have obviously heard
1: about it, but it's a Netflix documentary series, which is just the whole thing is wild. I don't know where
3: all this footage came from over the years. It just gets more and more wild. Imagine Um, sitting on that for five years and just be, you would just be like, when is this shit going to end? So I can just release this because you would just know
0: that it was going to
3: explode. So it is focused around these
1: different big cat zoos in the u.s so in oklahoma there is joe exotic in his zoo and then in florida there is carol baskin and her big cat zoo and basically joe exotic and carol hate each other and there's all this drama around them and then it just turns into a murder plot twist Very quickly, it's
3: the most insane. I think the first, the first episode, I feel it like was one of the most insane pieces of footage I'd ever watched. And less about Joe Exotic, who is insane, but mainly just the fact that in a, in America, it's basically not illegal. aka it is legal to own tigers and lions and bears yeah. as as domestic pets. Essentially, I found that stuff. Like I f- didn't
1: watch it for a little bit because, as everyone knows, I'm so animal obsessed that I knew it was going to make me really upset, it and it did really make me really upset. Yeah, yeah. You don't really see anything, but it's still horrific because they're locked in cages the whole time.
3: Well, it's bas- basically the whole premise is is that you've got Joe Exotic who's got this crazy ragtag, horrible looking. I just I just do not understand those tourists who walked in there. And we're just doing these like lion shows. Everything looked so shambolic that it just seemed like it was about to fall apart at the seams. I would be terrified (laughs) if there were 270 tigers roaming around with like a bit of chicken wire between you and them. Anyway, Joe Exotic was breeding tigers because he would make lots of money from letting people pet baby tigers. And Carol Baskin was saying that what he's doing is so immoral because it basically because it is because it is but then the whole question became like she took all these sheltered big cats and basically had a park that was exactly the same that she was making money off so she was kind of saying mm-hmm. she was doing it for the animals but kind of at the root of it what she was doing and what joe exotic were doing were quite similar so what you had and was it was the- wild as well because she didn't pay any one of her volunteers and she had
1: volunteers who have worked there like Twelve hour days, seven days a week for five years, and for the only way they years. get any recognition is by going up in volunteer kind of
3: colours. I, I was like, Carol's. I'm really like, how do we get this it's... operation going here?
1: How do we get someone to do that for the podcast? I don't
3: know. In five years we'll get a pink shirt, so stick in yes. there. Um, but I think when you watch it you're like desperately trying to find a sympathetic character that you wanna root four, and then you just hit this point about three episodes in where you're like every single person is a fucking idiot and they're all just varying degrees of terrible people like yeah you think carol's kind of being attacked by this horrible gross guy and then it comes out that she probably killed her husband and fed him to a tiger <laughs> literally And then
1: I, I love it so much when um joe exotic I don't want to, I'm very conscious of us going on a tangent for people who haven't seen the show, but also I feel like everyone should have I seen the show I feel like right everyone's now. seen this show. <laughs> when Joe Exotic runs for president. Amazing. It's just the funniest plot twist of my entire life. I was like, what is now happening? And I message it to Grace
3: and she goes, yes, Zach had heard of him because of his presidential run. Literally, Zach goes over and I'm watching it and he leans over his shoulder and he's like, I know that guy, Joe Exotic. And I was like, pardon <laughs> And he was like, he ran for president. No, actually, <laughs> you put that meme up of him on oh. after it drinks, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And then Zach was like, that's from his presidential campaign video, <laughs> and I wasn't up to that episode yet. And I was like, oh, pardon, and that's where he knew it from. Joey Exotic so does such funny. despicable things, but he's just so, he's just like one of those typical people who's so charismatic and likable that you just, I know, I you just love keep him. forgiving him, even though yeah. like, he does some really gross, really sexist stuff towards Carol. Yeah, it's fucked. Like, it's disgusting. It made, it made my stomach turn. Like, he's not okay. But no. then he'll just wear his crazy snakeskin jacket and he'll just be posing with a baby zebra or something and you just like him again. You just can't help I it. I
1: know. And I love how he um just felt – he married two men, so he had two husbands, and both of them were straight – and then he and then he's just laughing at the camera he's like fell in love with some straight man didn't I and I was like Joe Joe honestly it's this
3: that show has more bloody plot twists than like
1: and how he's wearing two belts on his wedding night
3: yeah two
1: belts on when they get married I'm like
3: why that wedding (laughs) uh, it's just all so crazy and then that horrible Doc Antle this is what I mean how so much goes on so that Doc guy he is so sinister he makes my stomach turn I hate him so much. And he's basically running this weird tiger sex cult. And then it turned yes, out that he, so right. he's, and he's worked with all of these famous people and then someone uncovered footage of him with a tiger when Britney Spears was doing her Snake Slave For You performance. I know. But like, this is what I mean. Like the crossovers in life are just, just too insane to deal with. So
1: crazy. And I really hope that... The documentary means that these laws will pass. That's so fucked up how many tigers are living in captivity in the US. It's so upsetting. I want to be a proper Carol.
3: I think Carol, uh, this is, I, I, can't, I don't know how to check this, but I, I'm 99% <laughs> sure that Carol went after, not me, like kind of me once because we did a story when I was like, a <laughs> This is crazy. They That's like when
1: sp- Samantha Markle went off at me.
3: Yeah, yeah, literally. So we did a story um, on L. Like four or five years ago, and it was an interview with Cara Delevingne, and she'd just done a campaign with I think Tag Heuer, and it was there was a lion in it because she has a lion tattoo and something. Mm-hmm. So the the images that accompanied the interview had her sitting next to a lion, and we all of a sudden the next day got I think like. It was literally thousands of messages, emails, phone calls to the front desk, just like crazy things from people saying, do you understand what happens to lions who are blah, blah, blah. They're kept here. This is really immoral. You should take this down. And it was just this days long crazy situation where like the Echo was getting phone calls every 20 minutes. Everyone was getting personal emails and we realized that someone had shared it to this Big Cat Rescue. I don't know if it was actual Big Cat Rescue, but I think it was because they had like 2.3 million followers. Oh my god! And she cats. posted it. And I, f- I think it was fully Carol. That's crazy. Isn't that wild? Yeah, we need to like. You could literally go on the Facebook and search for that. And see if I can find, find it. it. I might go have a look. Yeah, but um, so that's a bit of six degrees of separation. I just I can't I can't help it. I love Carol's husband Howard. I'm just a fan. He was the only one with a single brain cell in that whole documentary. Yeah, I love him as well. But then it cut to their wedding photos and she had him on all fours on a leash. What? Yes, don't you remember that? And I was like, God, even Howard can't be trusted. Well, Like <laughs> 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 oh, That's going to be me when I get married. <laughs> Carol was just too, okay, nothing excuses plotting to kill someone. Although I just don't trust those shady Las Vegas characters either. I don't know what I believe. Anyway, inexcusable what they did to Carol. But I find the
1: funniest part, like Joe Exotic having a huge thing over Carol probably murdering her husband and then he's just trying to murder her. That's Joe. What I,
3: it's, it's so <laughs> scary how crazy everything is. Did you see that meme that someone put up on our account during a takeover and it was like um, Donald Trump. He's obviously in so much shit at the moment, and he was like, "Release the Tiger documentary." (laughs) Yes, and then the whole world just fucking forgets about coronavirus for three days. It could not be better. We are so
1: gullible.
3: I know. I
1: I need another Tiger documentary. I need another Joe Exotic documentary.
3: I my my second character, the only other character that I really loved was the reality TV producer with the hat and the cigarette and the mug. Yes, he was great i loved him he was so normal and funny and just cool and i felt really sad for him because joe burnt all his footage joe basically realized that a lot of the footage that he'd captured was unflattering so he burnt the (laughs) shed containing all the footage to the ground i know and then he and then he was like who did that (laughs) it was carol (laughs) Carol, trying to accuse carol who lived in another state and finally when um my favorite part of the whole documentary was when joe was pretending to play in belize in mexico which is still on his current instagram which is still active and he was so oh obviously gosh. with his new husband dylan like in their backyard and he was like hashtag mexico hashtag belize and it was like a really zoomed in picture of them in a pool or something
1: oh my god <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, so that's a bloody great
2: show. I'm broke as shit. I'm not changing the way I dress. I refuse to wear a suit. I've had some kinky sex. I have tried.
0: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
3: So we have a special treat for you this week. As you know, we are very, very passionate about sustainability in fashion, which we've talked about a lot. And earlier this year in London, we caught up with Maggie Hewitt, who is the fashion designer behind the New Zealand powerhouse label, Maggie Marilyn. Maggie Marilyn launched in 2016 to kind of overnight immediate success, launched on Net-A-Porter. They've since been – they've literally dressed everyone. Meghan Markle, the Duchess of Sussex – Michelle Obama, Kylie Jenner, Selena Gomez, Chrissy Teigen, like the whole remit of every celebrity. And Maggie is a wonderful, lovely, funny, intelligent, kind, great human being who (laughs) loves the podcast. Yeah, we're mutual fans. (laughs) Um, So we had her into the studio and had a big chat with her and we'd been sitting on this for a couple of weeks and we just re-listened to the audio and thought it was the perfect time now because... So much of what she's saying is kind of relevant to existential fears we have and things that we're all thinking about. And we also think it's quite important at this moment in time to promote local brands who are doing fantastic things.
1: Yeah, and so since she started, Maggie's whole focus has been sustainability. Uh, Right from when she first launched in 2016, it was her reason for starting the fashion label. And as we talk about in the interview, we touch on how... When she started, no one even cared about sustainability and how it's become such a massive thing now. Um, We talk about the climate crisis, we talk about eco-anxiety, and we talk about uh, running a business as a woman. So we touch on heaps of different topics, and we just thought it would be really cool to highlight what an incredible job she's doing, and also uh, all of the different stresses that come with being a woman in business and all of our collective anxiety at the moment which is now about the climate and covid-19.
3: Yay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, please enjoy this chat. We absolutely loved having it.
1: Oh my god, you look so. You look absolutely Oh, I so amazing. have an event tonight,
4: so I'm having to like wear my event outfit all day, which yeah, feels a bit weird.
1: Very chic. It looks gorgeous. Thanks.
4: This is new season. Oh my god I love that. It's cute
3: eh? Yeah, it's so nice. Yeah so yeah. good. I was reading actually on Vogue about your new season and about how some of the pieces start at like $65 is that right?
4: So we just launched a new line called Somewhere in November last mm-hmm. year so it's different separate to the main line and we're just selling it direct to consumer not wholesaling it um, but yeah we worked on it for about two years and and uh, nothing is – should I do, like, Australian dollars, pounds? Like, what are we doing when? Just do dollars, like Australian like dollars, yeah. Australian dollars. So, yeah, nothing's over, like, 400 Australian dollars. So yeah, it starts right. at, like, yeah, $65 singlet. And to...
1: we talked recently – I interviewed Maggie recently on the phone for a piece, and you were talking about why you started somewhere, and it was because basically – Yeah, sorry, we talked about it. Yeah. yeah, basically you would have so many people emailing her yeah. and trying to contact her saying, I love – everything about Maggie Marilyn. I love why you created the brand and it's so sustainable and I want to be a part of it, but I just realistically can't afford to spend $400 on a dress. Yeah. And so somewhere this is why I started somewhere. Yeah, but
3: this is the whole thing I think because you have people obviously who identify with the values of a brand yeah. and want to invest, don't want to buy fast fashion, want to invest in a brand that they think matches their values, but the yeah. price point kind of tends to be Three dollars at H and M or four thousand dollars at the row. You know <laughs> what I mean? But when you're
1: making something absolutely. down the road in New Zealand, it's gonna because your stuff's made in New Zealand. Yeah. It's so the be... labor
4: costs are higher for sure than manufacturing. Yeah. Um, you know, in a third world country, but yeah, it's been super rewarding this new line because I think for me, I did kind of you know the main line's so beautiful and I do love it, but I did struggle with having something that was, um so expensive and something that i knew my friends couldn't really buy into mm. and you know i think i really just wanted to create a line that was for every girl and for someone that really shared in the same values as me so mm. um yeah it's been awesome amazing yeah and we did just touch on
1: eco-anxiety a lot when we were speaking on the phone yeah um <laughs> and we've just done uh, <laughs> we just talked for ages but we've done a climate change episode recently. Yeah. And I know you've listened to that. So
4: good, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank Maggie. Thank this you. is why we brought
1: you here. <laughs> 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 we're both we're mutual fans. Fan girl.
4: Um but No, but it's so good to break it down and simplify um, the fact that we're in a climate crisis. Because mm. I think it's it's too all encompassing, really, the whole idea of what's happening to the planet. So. You do have to break it down for people.
1: And I loved what you said is because basically you've, you learned about sustainability and what was happening to the climate when you're at uni, right? Yeah. And that's sort of when your
4: eco-anxiety started. Yeah, I think, you know, I grew up in the country. I grew up in a town with like 4,000 people in New Zealand. So I think I always had a really deep appreciation for the environment because that's what I did growing up you know we barely had a movie theaters like we were always spending time outside but it wasn't really until I went to university that I understood um what climate change was and I think it's quite interesting even last year I feel like it's moved from like global warming to climate crisis which um yeah is crazy but um rebrand yeah (laughs) which I guess it should be because we are in a crisis um but yeah, it was lucky enough I think to go to a university where sustainability—it wasn't actually called sustainability back then. Maybe like it was called eco fashion. I feel like sustainability is actually quite a new buzzword. Um, but it was a big part of our course curriculum, and it was just something that the more you learn, the more you can't turn a blind eye. Um, to the point where like our very first lecture when I walked in in my first year was about like Nike sweatshops. And Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I was literally wearing my Nike sneakers Mm -hmm. and I had no idea. I think you just don't know what you don't know. I mean, it's not like you're going to randomly start YouTubing Nike sweatshops. um, And you don't know because
1: people don't want you to
4: know. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. The industry
4: is so secretive. So, um, yeah, it kind of pulled going to university, I guess, pulled back this very like unglamorous curtain of really what fashion was
3: responsible for. I think it's interesting because I interviewed Stella McCartney recently. Oh, amazing. Bizarre, cool. And she was talking about how when she launched, people people literally thought she was a kook. Like people made fun of her. They thought it was like weird and crazy and new agey and hippie. Yeah. They weren't Especially interested. to be in the luxury sector for her and not use leather. 100%. And yeah. now it's, it's kind of come full circle where she is yeah. now being hired by LVMH yeah. to teach them That's about how sustainability. sustainability. But I'm interested for you because you launched at a time where it wasn't easy or trendy or yeah. the cool thing to jump on to be sustainable. It was hard slog. You had yeah. to explain it to manufacturers and wholesalers. Yeah. So can you talk about deciding to do that at a time where people maybe didn't really get it? Yeah,
4: I think like any business, as cliche as it sounds, it's usually born out of um, – it's – There was nothing in the market, clothing-wise, that I wanted to buy into. I think I got to the point where I was like, I can't buy new clothes anymore because I know too much about what the fashion industry is responsible for. So um, I'm going to have to start my own brand and start go back to basics and understand the supply chain and understand how I can create um, a really good product. And so... Yeah, there was a blissful naivety in that, I think, not really knowing um, how far away we were as an industry from embracing the conversation. Like, even though we only launched three and a half years ago, um, yeah, when I first launched meeting with editors, meeting with buyers, they really didn't care at all that (laughs) that that was a part of our um, mission as a brand or our values, it was like, okay, cool, I just wanna talk about the clothes and, you know, I. They're like, I have some great quotes from, I won't name names, but from certain (laughs) editors. After we stop recording. And by them them literally being like, you know, no one cares about this right now. Like, Mm. we're not interested in talking about it to our customer. We're not interested in talking about it to our readership, uh, which is wild considering sustainability is probably the biggest buzzword or was the biggest buzzword of 2019 in fashion. And also the
3: frustration of, it's like you have the power to dictate what people care about if you're in that position of power so oh. it's you, saying no I one know. cares and it's it's a like bit you can help people care
4: before the egg you mm. know like if you want customers to make more informed decisions about what they purchase you'd then have to inform them first mm. whereas you know editors and buyers weren't willing to inform their customers so um yeah it was tricky it was <laughs> it feels like it's been 10 years. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's been a slog. That's and I, sure. I loved
1: what you said to me is you said when you started out, you felt like you were screaming in a glass box and just no one was listening. Yeah. And that's something that yeah. I've felt more recently than you. Yeah. Where learning more about climate change, especially off the back of the bushfire crisis. I was mm. very open in the climate change episode where I was like, Yes, I've always loved animals. Like I grew up on a farm as well. We're yeah. going to talk about sheep after this <laughs> for ages. in New Zealand. <laughs> um, yeah, Maggie, before we started recording, said um, her stockings are hoary. And Grace <laughs> was like, I don't know what that means. So it's a New Zealand quote. It's
4: a New Zealand thing.
1: Um, but yeah, I was quite open in the episode that I didn't know enough about the climate. And I felt, I feel now just so stressed out all the time yeah. and kind of like, why is no one else? I know other people are stressing out, but why are we not all <laughs> stressing yeah. out? And how do you kind of, how do you deal with that? Well,
4: with that on a day-to-day yeah. basis? I mean, I think like anything, you have good days and bad days. I think I have days where um, when I'm traveling, I meet with amazing like-minded people and I feel um, like re-energized. Mm. I, I think you meet people and you're like, okay, okay there's lots of people fighting the good fight. Uh, and then sometimes you step outside your bubble and you realise that, you know, 90% of the population's still shopping at H&M and still thinks, like, has no idea about, um, you know, the negative effect that fashion has, not only on the environment, but, like, all the people involved in the supply chain and the animals. And, um, yeah, I think it, it feels uh, – I don't know if you've read David Wallace-Well's book, but I always – I feel like I'm, like, a poster child for him. No. Um, it's called The Un- Uninhabitable Earth. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, probably, uh, yeah, one of the best books that I've read in terms of, like, the climate crisis and just understanding. And he talks about it being this thing that is so all-encompassing that, like, our human minds can't even wrap our heads around the fact that our lives might be completely different in 12 years' time, Mm. you know? I think
1: that's it. And I think... I think a lot of it is people
4: feeling hopeless yeah.
1: and feeling like they can't do anything about it. So even though you want people to feel stressed and even Greta Thunberg's yeah. one that always says that, she's like, I want you to feel scared. But yeah. it's like at the same time, you don't want people to feel so stressed like you say, Grace, that yeah. they feel like they can't do anything about par- it. You can
3: get paralyzed by fear yeah. to the point where you're so scared that yeah. you just literally feel like you can't do anything. So yeah, so what's another plastic bag?
4: Yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. Yeah, and so really I think difficult. people just compartmentalize it put it in a box somewhere in the head and don't think about it that often, mm. I think.
3: Or it takes something like the bushfires where people are literally posting outside of their home and it's a wall yeah. of fire. But then,
4: hey, I feel like I haven't seen that much on my Instagram feed in like three weeks about fires, you know. Yeah. So there is yeah. a really awful thing about how we forget.
1: Compass- and even compassion fatigue. And yeah. just even, you know... We'll do these marches, and we're all up in arms, and we're all upset, and yeah. the whole country is burning. But then the government's not making changes, and that pressure kind of just lifts. Mm. So when the, now that the fires, the fires are finally under control now for the first time, I think this week yeah. since they started, yeah. and but the government hasn't made any changes, and now they're not. Like, if the pressure's off, the pressure's off.
3: And that's the worrying thing about social media because it's so good for drawing attention to things, but the nature of it is so, like, fleeting that when it was all over social media, I just had this niggling feeling like, this is great, but the thing with being hot on Instagram is that you're not hot five minutes later. So it's kind of that, how do you sustain people's interest? Yeah. I don't know what the answer is. Me neither.
4: I don't think that there's a perfect answer. And I think for me and my team... Um, you know, we go through huge highs and lows, to be honest. I think um, a lot of people might look at the brand and be like, oh, it's so exciting what they're doing, like, it's doing so well, but God, we have some days where it's like super hard to get out of bed because you're like, what is the fucking point? Sorry if I'm not allowed to no, swear. No, I'm you swear, swear, away. Like, swear what is, away. You know, what is the point at all with a small brand from New Zealand? You know, what change can we actually make? But um, then you pull yourself together and you get it together and Um, I think all revolutions throughout history were like started at a grassroots level by um, people doing great things bit by bit. And um, yeah, you've just got to keep fighting the good fight, I think. Well, we're the same with the podcast. We were like, what change can we really make?
1: And then if we're only speaking to a small select group of people, but if all of these people who listen to the podcast learn something about the climate from it, and tell another person and if people are now yeah. seeing your brand and other people in the fashion industry are having to match what you're doing yeah you're just we're hold you're holding everyone to a higher standard
4: yeah I think the power of like peer to peer recommendation is so strong I think mm. it's so much stronger than social media mm-hmm. you know someone being like oh my gosh have you heard so-and-so's podcast or if you heard this brand that um they're doing this you know I think it's really powerful
1: and when you talk about your brand. You have dressed Meghan Markle, Michelle Obama, and you started in what, 2016? Yeah. So I guess to, to move away from it, anxiety quickly, <laughs> well, to know. quickly, uh, how did it feel to have that success so quickly and kind of what's your relationship with success like now, which is something we, we talk about quite a bit?
4: Oh, I feel like, um, firstly, I mean, having amazing people like um you know Michelle Obama and um the duchess do we even call her the duchess? Mm-hmm. Anymore? We we Duchesses. can call her Sussex. the duchess. Yeah, yes. okay. Um, and <laughs> and <laughs> um, <laughs> where the brand is so incredible um especially because of what they stand for but honestly I think for me I get so much joy when I just walk down the street and see a complete stranger wearing the brand mm-hmm. like there's nothing like that someone that's parted with their hard earned money and hopefully came and bought the brand because they share in our values i think we get that a lot that people don't just buy us because of the product yes yeah. um it's if you know it's the part the fusion of the product and our values um and in terms of success i think i'm always looking ahead at like what's the next thing i think um, <laughs> we're the same i i never get to the point where i'm like satisfied. okay cool yeah. i'm satisfied with where i am i think I'm definitely my own um, harshest critic. And yeah, nothing's ever as perfect as what it seems. You know, we're a young brand with lots of challenges. And so sometimes um, we're just so involved in those challenges on a day-to-day basis that I'm not really looking at like, oh my gosh, we've done this. It's so great. Um, Yeah, I'm always on to the next.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And we're pretty ambitious as a brand. Like, I really want to change the fashion industry so mm. i keep looking ahead like shit we've just got so much more work to do yeah. yeah i feel like when you are
1: looking at it every day because people from the outside would look at you gorgeous business owner dressing michelle obama who stocked is stocked in every body
3: <laughs> on the planet but Vogue runway covers you
4: every <laughs> But like, there's times where I like fetal position crying in the shower. So. <laughs> oh, same. <laughs> so We've like, it's not there. all rainbows and sunshine <laughs> at all. Like, it is so. It's so tough being a woman in business, being a young woman in business, and then also trying to change an industry that just has um, so many old notions of how you should do business, like. God, fashion seems like it should be something that's progressive, but it's not a progressive industry at all. Um, So, yeah, it's tough. Do you find it even more tough being in New Zealand? Oh, absolutely. I think geographical isolation (laughs) feels um, lonely at times because you don't really feel like you have a community around you that's supporting you. I think that's something that I really admire in New York and London. I think there is an amazing sense of community amongst designers. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, maybe there's a little bit of underlying competition, but I think all in all, um, especially new wave of designers all really want to support each other. Whereas I think in New Zealand, uh, you just feel so removed from that world. Yeah,
1: and I think in New Zealand as well, it was something I was saying to Grace, because it's so small, it yeah. really is that kind of fight for your life. Oh,
4: and there's such a tall mentality, syndrome, yeah. which and you would both know about. It's mm. the same in Australia as well, you know. Yeah. Um,
1: and you just, you feel like there's not enough room for everyone, even though there obviously is. Yeah. But it's something we've talked yeah. about a lot. When I was there, it, it felt really kind of isolating in terms yeah. of tra- trying to work in the media there. It mm. felt like no one was... People, I went to a dinner once and uh, another editor made me cry at the table. No. That's how
4: mean oh he was oh, to you'll me. You'll have to tell me who it is later. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be
1: surprised. You, you literally definitely know who it is. Um, yeah, yeah, I
4: yeah, I feel like the lack of community that we have down there is, um, yeah, isolating. You don't feel like there's anyone to talk to and that is going through the same problems mm. as you, I guess, because we're a global brand and dealing with um, big global retailers and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no one that you can be like, hey, can I can I have coffee with you? And are you having the same issues with this asshole retailer? Like, yeah. Um, so yeah,
1: it's hard. Yeah, it's funny as well. Cause with us, we were talking last week. We are so supportive of each other, and we just want each other to do well.
4: Yeah,
3: but we're it doing is like the exact the exact same, same job. <laughs> like, job. We'd be competing for jobs that we'd rather say, you take this one. This is perfect for you. What about this one for you? And we just want to divvy it up and we prioritize our friendship so much more than yeah looking at the next goal or but maybe the next the, thing, but.
4: there's just preconceived notions of that for women because for mm. so long we were fighting for such few jobs in and exactly, industries yeah. you know that i think um maybe it's just yeah a hard mindset and mentality to get out of yeah. but i think um there's a place for all of us and it needs to be you know and the more of us that are successful,
1: yeah. the more of us that are going to be in those boardrooms yeah. making those decisions Absolutely. and making the rest they, of I our mean, lives I mean, even easier. like
4: fashion, you know, the amount of women that are in those top-tier positions sitting in those boardrooms or are CEOs is so few, which yeah. is crazy. Even when the women same same in... seem
3: to have, like, all of the lower-level jobs yeah. Yeah. that are it's the paid same less, all women. Yeah, 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 it's crazy, but and the CEO is always <laughs> a guy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And Max, it was literally... When I worked there, the whole floor filled with women—maybe one yeah. or two gay guys. Yeah, all women. And then you go and look at the board, and it's mm. all men. It's so it's so funny. You just you look around, you don't even think one man works in the building. And, and then, men but the people to run
4: an industry that they don't understand. Don't <laughs> yeah. they're not women.
3: They're not wearing <laughs> women's wear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to ask a bit because it's—I imagine it must be a bit of a conflict in that you want to create sustainable fashion, but you still have to make stuff. Yeah. to create that but and grow and grow yeah. and you can't you can't not be in the industry altogether because yeah. then it's not going to change so how yeah. do you kind of balance that so yeah. hard and
4: I think <laughs> that that was really one of the prerequisites to this new line was um I was really I read a lot about circularity for a couple of years and it was something that I uh, was kind of like a North Star for me with the main line, but there were so many difficulties. You know, we're working to seasonal collections. We're swapping out new fabrics every season. So this new line, um, we're going to open up a take-back scheme in 2021. So when our girl's, like, done with her white T-shirt because it's got a stain on it or she's worn it too much, it's got holes in it, whatever, um, we'll bring it back. And then we send it to a factory in Japan and it gets shredded down um, into new yarn to be produced into new fabric and then produced into new garments so i think for me that feels like a bit of a utopia where we can still um aspire to growth and have a big business but we are taking control of like the full life cycle of our garments so not just producing all of this stuff and then thinking like where is it going after our customer is done with it because the reality is no one keeps anything forever. Um, so I'm going to keep my yellow dress forever. Yeah, I <laughs> hope There so. are some
0: <laughs>
1: exceptions. Please, please <laughs> yeah. and As we were walking in here, I was like, Maggie, look at me in your dress. She oh, was like, you look beautiful. You I was like, yes. You look bloody amazing so in that dress. Good. Yeah, oh such a
4: fave. We um, wish that we call it, called it How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days yes. dress. Oh, yeah. It's that dress. It's like it the same sort like of that. color. Yeah. yeah,
3: beautiful. But that's a great way of looking at it because I think that
4: yeah, I think fashion needs innovation and solutions in terms of, I, I just don't think you're ever going to tell a girl that she can't buy anything new ever again. Exactly. I think that, to me, when I made my mind up about that, was like, okay, cool, how do we find a, the most sustainable solution for continuing to put product down to
3: the world? But it's you funny. Need clothes. Like, you legally have to wear clothes. <laughs> so that's like you need to yeah, have... Yeah, but
4: also yeah. fashion is empowering. I think that's one thing we don't try to um tell our customer that it's bad or you should feel bad mm. about wanting to look beautiful and buying a new dress I think there's yeah. just this element of like fashion is so frivolous so you're not that intelligent if you want to like partake in, you know buying and wearing beautiful things which is so ridiculous I think part of why I studied a fashion degree and got into fashion was that it's this beautiful world of escapism where you can dream and be the best version of yourself and it you know, you can put on a dress and feel like a total boss. And and it's not like
1: anyone doesn't know that feeling. Yeah. Every, everyone. Oh God, guys everyone. would put on a nice yeah. suit and feel amazing. Totally. And it's funny because we both work in fashion and we have for our whole careers. Yeah. But we both, we did this, was it on the New York Times, that quiz, Grace?
3: I can't remember. <laughs> we
1: both did a quiz on what's your fashion footprint. And we both got the lowest thing possible because we shop consciously and we Mm. buy things that we know we're going to have for ages and we really put thought and effort into it and we'll spend money on something that's of high quality and that we're going to have forever and even so don't own many things like we both own probably like nothing 20 things yeah yeah and we're we're sharing
4: in Milan I think that's the thing there's a way to still partake in fashion but be a conscious consumer Mm. right love the things that you buy um, buy less. Know what you're buying into when you buy into a brand, understanding if that aligns with your own values. So yeah, I think we're definitely not in business to disencourage en- people to, to stop shopping. I mean, that would be um, we would look like <laughs>
0: hypocrites. <laughs> yeah.
4: So I think people do always wonder that about our brand because of our sustainability mission. But um, it's more like how can we find innovations to yeah change the industry for the better
1: and it's also this is a very weird segue but I I just found out who Lewis Hamilton's um what his whole vibe is and he's vegan and he cares about the environment love him love Lewis I
4: found that out a little while ago as well
1: yeah and I went on his Instagram the other day and I was just like oh I love everything that you are about yeah but people jumped on him and were like you're a race car driver yeah. so you can't care about the environment <laughs> Yeah, and it's like just let people do the best they can.
3: Exactly, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Where if you cut out every person who's done one thing that's bad yeah. for the environment, you're going to have one person standing in a corner with a bloody placard. <laughs> if, he <wasn't laughs> a no car, if he wasn't a race car, if he wasn't a race car
1: driver, he wouldn't have 14.1 million fans to tell about climate change, to to communicate his message, to. and yeah. be able to donate. Like I think he donated half a million dollars to Australia wow, for the bushfires. Amazing. And it's
3: like you say, where people think that climate change is a sacrifice and is like. Consuming ethically is a sacrifice and is hard because they're told stop doing all these things you like, stop eating what you like, stop wearing what you like. Yeah. Whereas what you're saying and what the great message is, you don't have to change your personality. You don't have yeah. to stop loving the things that you love. Go you, live
4: on a farm somewhere and yeah, <laughs> and raise your chickens lives. and we yeah. wear a yeah. cotton sack yeah. every day. Like you yeah. can
3: live the way that you want to be living and care about things you want to care about. It's up to businesses. To give an option, yeah, that's totally, and changing like
4: you. your mindset about things. I think we live in a time of convenience mm. where, um, you know, maybe getting Uber Eats right to your front door with plastic containers, like maybe, isn't that necessary? You know, mm. we lived without Uber Eats for a really long time. <laughs> I um, can't remember that. Time, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it is great, but you know, I think uh, even. You know, instead of shopping at your local supermarket, going, I don't know, do you guys have something called bin in here? I mean, no, you know what,
1: yeah, you know what bin in. It's just big kind of whole foods. It's like
4: a, oh. a like a store where you would take your jars to fill up your oh. rice or your pasta Amazing. instead of buying it in a plastic package. I mean, there's just little things like that that take a little bit more. time. Or the time. farmers market on the weekend. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's not a huge sacrifice to your life. You don't have to stop making like spaghetti bolognese. You could just um you know not buy it in a plastic container you know agree I think we just live in a time of convenience and that's just part of living in a a world that's so fast-paced but maybe um something that should be a part of all of our jobs is slowing that down a little bit Mm. like enjoying life a little bit more I think totally
1: cool I feel like I want to wrap up so we can get coffee with Maggie yes (laughs) shall we I love it Okay, thank you so much for talking to us, thank Maggie. Of course, we are thank you for to having have me.
4: You. Yeah. So fun. We're big
3: fans.
4: I love it. No, thank you for having me.
3: Yay! Such a dream. Go check out Maggie's amazing <laughs> clothes if you haven't already. We're sure you all have. You'll but... see them on my Instagram feed. Yes, <laughs> the yellow dress. Uh, yes,
1: the, the yellow dress. dress. The yellow dress. Thank you, everyone, for listening this week. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Um, another reminder that we have our closed Facebook group, Afterwork Drinks Podcast, which is filled with recommendations and chats. And we also have our Instagram account, Afterwork Drinks Podcast. And for the next 30 days of isolation and potentially longer, we have lined up a whole range of different friends of the podcast who are gonna be taking over with things such as workouts, recipes cocktail making classes we've got meditation classes breath work everything so pop on to our instagram and give that a follow and hopefully it will help get you through the day and we will see you next week see you next week
2: guys bye bye